grab your Bible and open up. We're going to begin where the scripture reading was in Matthew uh, chapter 28, right before we get to the book of Mark. The very tail end of Matthew is where we're going to begin. We're going to be talking about baptism because the, the command was given to go into uh Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So go and make disciples in all the world, all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So this command was given to the apostles. And we'll note that in verse number 16, it says the 11 disciples. So this is the what remains of the 12, the one who is... Since taken his life, Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus, he's gone, no longer present on this uh, world at the time that Jesus spoke this command. So it's the it's the ones that Jesus had been with for three years and given his commands, given his instructions, and he tells them, just as you guys are following me, you're my disciples. I want you to go make more disciples. So, and we've talked about that a lot lately. This is what disciples do. Disciples. Make more disciples. So if we're disciples of Jesus, we're following after Jesus. Jesus brought more brought disciples to him, so we're going to bring more disciples to him. That's what disciples do. And the command comes to go and to baptize them. Now, in a, um, in a children's book, uh, a children's Bible, and I don't remember which one it was. We have several children's Bibles. But it's interesting, usually the, a lot of times the baptism of Jesus is in a children's Bible, and you open up, and since it's a children's Bible, you have to have an illustration. And when you get to the baptism of Jesus, which is going to be uh, kind of alluded to here um, in our, our sermon, but Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, so his cousin. So as John baptizes him, and every time I say the word baptize, I'm, I'm doing this all the time. That's, this is sign language for um, baptism. Is, uh, you die, you're raised back up. So, and I don't remember, it might be something a little bit different with the th- fingers, thumbs. I don't remember for sure. But it's a laying down and coming back up. And actually, that's the exact, you know, if I'm baptizing somebody, I take them, dip them, bring them back up. Um, you don't want somebody to baptize you only halfway. That would be a bad thing. Um, you want to get raised back up, right? Uh, so in a children's book, if you're going to illustrate this idea of Jesus getting baptized by John the Baptist, how would you do it? Knowing this crowd, I think you'd probably show somehow you would show that Jesus is going down into the water as John the Baptist holds him and it brings him back up. But you know what? Not everybody thinks the same way that we think. So there's a children's Bible that, that was always interesting to me because it was like, um, like John, somehow it was like he was holding Jesus and kind of like he was leaning him back, but also at the same time scooping and pouring water over his head. It's like, you know, trying to uh, accommodate every single way that people baptized. Because um, there are all, various Christians have various different views on what baptism is. So sprinkling or, or pouring, um, and uh, although, you know, a lot of people when they think of the, the sprinkling, they, well, that's, that's pointless. But 
sprinkling, pouring, you know, full immersion, just some people, well, it's not even really a physical baptism. It really doesn't have anything to do with water. It's a spiritual thing. That's what baptism is. So it's an interesting thing. How would, how do, what does the Bible say about baptism should be our question. And so we turn today, uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about how, as we are looking at some various ways that the church is to be distinct, we considered this topic with just one idea. Um, baptism is essential, or baptism is necessary because it accomplishes, God does a great work in us to save us at that moment. And we talked about that, but we didn't get into the nitty-gritty, some of the details about what baptism is. So today I ask you to consider this what is baptism? And I think it's one of those simple topics as you read through Scripture. And there are, I'll, I'll admit there are some places that can kind of get confusing because there's other verses that talk about baptism might relate to something a little different. And we'll perhaps talk about that more next week or the week after. I had two sermons planned, and I don't know how easily I can get it done in two. So uh, today we're going to just look at the physical nature of baptism and kind of consider what it looks like based upon what the Word of God says. So I've got six items here that are outlined. Number one, it says Jesus commanded that his disciples make more disciples by baptizing others. This is a physical act to be performed by one person on another. So baptism requires two people, one doing the baptism and the one who is being baptized. So if the, the disciples, you know, as we look at Matthew 28, verse number 19, it says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. You get this picture there that the start, if somebody believes in Jesus as the gospel is spread, as the apostles go and teach the gospel, when people believe it, their response should be they want to be baptized. And the apostles or the other disciples are to be the ones who do it. Somebody performs the baptism while somebody is being baptized. So that's a pretty simple concept, almost so simple that you say, Wow, this is a deep sermon, Eric. I can't believe you came up with this on your own. But no, it is important. It's very important as we consider what baptism is. Baptism is one person obeying the command to make a disciple of another one. The physical act has to be performed by one person onto another. You can't baptize yourself, and it's not something that God does, it's something that, and I, I have to be very careful with that because God's very involved, but the physical nature of the baptism requires another human being. So, one person performing a baptism on another. And then number two, baptism is immersion in water. As so we go back and first, you know, not to go in, and by the way, the, um, the spiritual sword that came out lately... Um, this past month was on baptism. So it's t very much, hopefully in the view of some things you've considered if you, if you read that. And I'd encourage you to read that entire 
uh, journal, it talks very much about the nature of the word. The Greek word, baptize, baptizo, or baptisma, the word that you get in scripture, if you were to look at the Greek, should simply be translated as immerse or dip. We shouldn't even have a word immerse. We should be looking at this, our scripture, and it says, um, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we, we should be pointing out, hey, what's this word immersing? What was the original Greek? Oh, it was baptizo or baptisma or baptismos. We should be going back, but instead it got transliterated, and so it became a word that kind of you can put whatever kind of definition you want to it. It becomes very vague because they didn't translate the word, they transliterated it. So we have this word baptized that we have to deal with. really shouldn't even be a word in our English. It's a Greek word, baptize. It's a Greek word. What does it mean? Immerse or dip. It has to do with putting something into a fluid and uh, putting it there and perhaps taking it out or not. But here we go. Number two, baptism is immersion in water. Let's establish this with Scripture, kind of assuming, as one of the articles suggests, that we take this uh, word without assuming that we know what it means. Let's look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. This is speaking of John the baptizer, which should say John the immerser, John the dipper. John chapter, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 says, Then Jesus, um, excuse me, then Jerusalem was going out to him, to John the Baptist, and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan, and they were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, as they confessed their sins. So this follows through with my first point. Notice people were coming out to John the Baptist, and they, the people, were being baptized by John the Baptist. One person performing an immersion on somebody else. They were doing it in the Jordan River. Baptism is immersion in water. He was doing that to others in water. All right, Jesus did the same thing. Jump, jump to John chapter 2, or excuse me, John chapter 3. <clears throat> John chapter 3, verses 22 through 26. It says, after these things, this is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea and there was spending and there he was spending time with them and baptizing so Jesus was spending time with disciples and baptizing Jesus was baptizing John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was no uh, there was so there was much water there And people were coming and were being baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Therefore there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with a Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, 
Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. All right, so here, John the Baptist has his disciples, and they have been baptizing people. One of those people was Jesus himself. Jesus comes to John and is baptized by John in the Jordan River. And now Jesus is going out and he's got his teaching going, proclaiming the same thing as John. The kingdom of God is is near, it's at hand. And teaching the people to get ready. And Jesus is baptizing people. John was baptizing. Jesus started doing the same thing baptizing such that uh, when when he was baptizing so many and started baptizing more than John John's disciples are like hey what's what's going on here they they noticed this so that's what's happening Jesus did the same thing John the baptizer was out in the Jordan River immersing people bringing them up calling upon them to repent and be ready for the kingdom of God for the Messiah was coming and Jesus starts doing the same thing. He's baptizing because the Messiah is here. Let's move on to point number three then. This is an interesting point. It says, although Jesus did not perform immersion, so we know baptism is immersion. I'm, uh, I'm not going into that as much as I could. I want to get to the point that this is done by a person to somebody else, raising them up. We'll kind of make the point about immersion, full immersion, as we go through this. But although Jesus, number three, although Jesus did not perform immersion, he commanded it to be done, for it was necessary. So this is, this is funny. I'm saying Jesus didn't perform immersion. We just read in John chapter 3, verse number Uh, Verse number 22, it says, There he was spending time with them and baptizing. Jesus was that subject. Jesus was baptizing. Verse uh, verse 26, they came, the rabbi talking to him. He is baptizing. At the very end of verse 26, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. He is baptizing. And now I'm making a point that Jesus did not perform immersion. John... What's what's going on here? Well, we look at John chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, and we understand why I make this statement. Therefore, when the Lord knew, and this literally should be the translation, therefore, when Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, verse 2, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were so here is the here is the message jesus was baptizing but he himself wasn't doing performing that ritual he was having his disciples be the ones to do it he commanded it to be done is quite obvious so although jesus did not perform immersion he commanded it to be done for it was necessary Jesus wasn't going to say, Jesus wasn't indicating that, hey, I know John was baptizing. We baptized a couple of people, but it's really not necessary. Let's just kind of forget about it. It's not important. 
No, he was baptizing people. They were coming to Jesus and they were being baptized. He was commanding it. He was making sure it was to be done. Point number four. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. Because And here, let me give the reason for these two points going together here. A lot of people say, well, Eric, you're, you're talking about immersion being essential. You're saying it was necessary. But Paul said it wasn't necessary. Paul didn't even baptize people. My response is, well... Jesus didn't baptize people either, did he? But he commanded it to be done because it was necessary. Verse uh, Point number four says the apostle Paul did not always perform immersion, but commanded it to be done for it was necessary. Baptism is necessary. Somebody putting somebody else under water and raising them back up is a command from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses, verse number 13 is where we want to turn and look. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In this passage where we get the, well, the entire book is about a church that's in total chaos and disorder. They're having all kinds of problems. And he hits these problems right up front because some people are saying, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas and I'm of Christ. That's verse 12. Verse 13 reads, 1 Corinthians 1.13. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you. Now, by the way, who's writing this letter? Paul. Paul's writing the letter. He says, Paul has, was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one would say you were baptized in my name. Now I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. Now, if you look only at verse 17, and you read, um, it says, For Christ did not send me to baptize. Christ didn't send me to immerse. If you just looked at that verse, you might come away thinking, Well, maybe baptism isn't important, is it? That's what some say. They look here and they say, look at verse 17. Baptism is not important. Immersion is not important. Even Paul admits this. But I think that's a little silly. We wouldn't make that an application to Jesus. We wouldn't say, Jesus didn't think baptism was immersed, or immersion was important. Because everywhere he was going, he was making more disciples by baptizing them. Jesus wasn't doing the baptism, but he apparently was the one who was commanding it. And many people were being baptized into him and turning to him. Now, it seems that Paul, the Apostle Paul, he didn't always perform the baptisms, but he 
was the one who was giving instruction and making sure the baptisms were being done. So the Apostle Paul didn't always command, or, well, excuse me, he didn't always perform the immersion, but he commanded it to be done. For it was necessary. And if he wasn't teaching that it was necessary and that it should be done, then his whole point about the people being baptized by different people, it wouldn't make sense. So as we look in verse number 13, it says, Has Christ been divided? Was Paul was not crucified for you? Was he or you were you baptized in the name of Paul? As he's speaking to other Christians, he's saying, Were you baptized in my name? They should have said, No, I wasn't baptized in your name. I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. But the point is, I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They were all baptized. Um, Paul goes on to say the ones that he did baptize. So he wasn't opposed to baptizing people, but he wanted to focus on the message. And he always had people with him who were helping him. Timothy and Titus and all the, the probably, I don't know how many, it would be interesting to see how many people are listed as going along with Paul on his journeys. Barnabas and, uh, and Mark and others. Uh, so many people who were always there to help Paul everywhere he went, except when he was in Athens. That one time in Athens, it seems like he was all alone. So, Paul didn't always perform the immersion, but he commanded it to be done, for it was necessary. Um, now, on to uh, point number five. Immersion is done in the name of Jesus. First Corinthians, as we just talked about, implies this. First Corinthians 1.13. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? The answer to all those questions is no, no, no. Christ hasn't been divided. Paul wasn't crucified for you, no. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? No, you weren't baptized in the name of Paul. You are baptized in the name of Jesus. So immersion is done in the name of Jesus. So here we're, we're kind of getting back to this idea that baptism is an act performed by one person onto another, and it's done in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus being the authority, the one who is important, the one who is, you are identifying with in that baptism that is the name that must be professed. It must be confessed. Jesus is the one. Do you believe in Jesus? If you believe, then you are able to be baptized in the name of Christ. Matthew 28, verse 19, where we started. Um, he said, he told them, Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father of excuse me, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Son. That's in there. Acts two thirty eight, turn with me there. Acts two thirty eight. Jesus has been preached on this wonderful day. 
After he has gone into heaven, he's given his command to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And then here in the first gospel sermon in Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse number 38, Peter, after they have said, what should we do? They knew their guilt. Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So here's a little bit of the, uh, the physical nature of it. Besides just one person immersing another, it is done in the name of Christ. Acts chapter 8, verse number 16. Kind of a peculiar verse. Acts chapter 8, verse number 16. It says, uh, talking about the Holy Spirit, For he, the Holy Spirit, had not yet fallen on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When these people wanted to be saved, they knew they needed to be saved. They were immersed in the name of Jesus. That's what anybody who believes in Jesus, as one goes and proclaims the gospel message, you say, all right, I I believe we're going to look at this a little bit more here now. Immersion is to be performed in conjunction with a person calling upon the name of the Lord. Acts 22, verse 16, here's a good example of what it means to call upon Jesus, to know that you need Him. Acts 22, verse number 16. This is such an important passage for understanding what Scripture says about baptism. And now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Now, if, if baptism were as simple as just sprinkling water on somebody, uh, as Ananias was preaching to uh, this uh, heathen, Saul, who was persecuting the church, you know, if it was as simple as just sprinkling, he could have walked over and got some water out of the bucket by the door and sprinkled it on Paul as he lay there in his bed. But he didn't. He said, get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Baptism is performed on you. You can't just do it in your bed. You got to get up and go do it. Somebody is going to do it to you then. And while you are doing it, you're calling upon the name of the Lord. You're calling upon Jesus. This next point then, towards before we get to number six, the last point, number five, indicates what this calling upon the name of the Lord is. Immersion is to be performed on those who understand they are lost and need the only Savior. That's the name we need. Jesus Christ, the only Savior. And they who will then follow, they will follow Him for life. Acts 2 uh, 21. Uh, flip back to Acts chapter 2. Right before verse 38, we get to the important words that precede the instructions for them to be baptized. We see verse number 21. Um, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, Until you have called upon the name of the Lord, you are not saved. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
So you're not saved. You need to call on the name of the Lord so that you can be saved. You've got to be ready to call on the name of the Lord because you know you are lost. You are not saved. So those who are lost, they need to understand first they are lost and they need the one and only Savior. Verses 36 in Acts chapter 2. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified, and all of us share in this guilt. We all have crucified the Savior. Our sins put him on that cross. You can't save him. He went to the cross to save you. That's the message. We are the ones who put him there. So therefore, understand then in verse number 37, when they heard this, when they understand that they were lost and in need of someone to save them, they were pierced to the heart, cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized. Not baptize yourself, not be baptized by Christ. But be baptized by a person who is going to immerse you. And then we're going to talk next week about what God does in that immersion. But this is the submitting part and the physical part of what we're talking about here. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, immersion performed on those who understand their lost and need the one and only Savior. So, Acts chapter 4, I kind of wish I'd put this in, verse 12, it's only a page away. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. Alright, verse uh, point number 6. Last point. Immersion, which symbolizes a burial... In the name of Jesus puts a... So immersion, which symbolizes a burial. That's the opposite of them. So immersion in the name of Jesus puts a person into Jesus. So we do it in the name. It's by his authority. By his... We're just connecting ourselves with him. We are identifying with him because we then die with him. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse, verses 1 and following all the way down into verse 19 is really all about baptism, what it does, what it represents. Romans chapter 6, verse 3, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And here's the point. I, you know, I didn't establish firmly with, as we'd really like to, that baptism is immersion. But here it's clear that it can only be immersion. It's a burial. It's a burial. That's what it pictures. Immersion, which symbolizes a burial in the name of Jesus Christ, puts that person into Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 27. 
Galatians 3, 27, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So when you get buried, that's where the point where, you know, somebody dips you under, raises you up. That's the point where you get your new identity in Christ Jesus. It's necessary. It's for salvation. It's for those who understand that they need Jesus Christ. And that without Jesus, they're lost. For those who are willing to walk with him all of their days and follow all that he commands. For remember where we started. In Matthew 28, at the very end, he said, you baptize them, why don't you go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. It's the beginning of the walk with Christ Jesus. And I encourage anybody today, if you know that you need a Savior, if you know you need to uh, grab hold of Him, and you be clothed with Him, you don't grab hold. Well, we do. We cling to Him, don't we? Once we've got a hold of Him, we cling to Him. But He cling, He grabs hold of us. He holds fast to us. Never lets us go. If you need Jesus in your life, I encourage you, today is the day that you can be baptized. There might not be tomorrow. We don't know. None of us knows. So respond to Christ before it's too late. Give Him your life. Let somebody dunk you under water as you are calling upon the name of the Lord because you need Him. And God will do a wonderful work in your life. If you need to respond, I encourage you to come today. Won't you please stand as we sing this song of encouragement.